Marcus Paul, almost a public figure. Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul in the morning. Right across Australia. On the iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio apps. The biggest issues. The biggest guess. Marcus Paul in the morning starts now. Alright, good morning and welcome to Friday. Nice to have you company. We've made it through the working week. I know the last couple of days have been terrible low, particularly uh, with that East Coast low that continues to hang around, bucketing rain uh, in particular from the Hunter region up north all the way down to Eden, down near the uh, Victorian border with New South Wales. I hope you've gone okay. I hope you aren't one of those who've been affected by again flash flooding and riverine flooding. I mean, enough's enough. I I learned yesterday some people have been evacuated for the third time inside the last two months. Crazy. Some of these people, you know, in flood-affected areas were only just finishing cleaning up after the last rain event. Awful stuff. I'll get through some of that for you soon. I want to ask you a question. Uh, apparently, Dr. Brendan Murphy, Australia's most senior uh, physician, who the government relies on for health advice, uh, he couldn't answer a simple question in uh, budget estimates. Uh, you know, what is a woman? Yeah. Uh, look, and of course, the right side of politics and all of those conservatives are getting their knickers in a knot over it. I mean, to be perfectly honest, well, I don't know why they're wasting airtime and column space, column inches, writing about this sort of stuff. Uh, If you want to know what a woman is, you know, um, it's open to, obviously, uh, to many different kinds of uh, scenarios these days, but generally, consult the dictionary. That's what I would do. Anyway, um, others are jumping up and down about it and trying to weaponise it and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, again, they're... And, and this is the bit that does get a little concerning. You got your, you know, your Rita Panahigs and, and Mark Lathams and others who will jump up and down about so-called gender theory, you know, brainwashing our kids and all this sort of stuff. I mean, it's such a tiny minority of people in the general population. And while you've got in New South Wales alone, you know, nurses and paramedics and frontline workers, including, you know, those in the transport industry asking for more money or they're going to strike. I think they are the main issues, the big issues. I think we should focus on those. Well, Scott Morrison, uh, the Prime Minister, I don't think he'll be visiting many pubs during the upcoming election campaign when he finally has the kahunas to call it. Um, I'll play a bit of the audio of what happened just the other night at a pub in Newcastle uh, where the Prime Minister was cajoled by a very cranky pensioner. Yeah, and not only uh, cranky about losing some of his uh, his support or disability support payments, but, you know, he hit ScoMo right between the eyes with a couple of big issues. And, you know, one being, of course, where the hell is a uh, an integrity commission at a federal level? Something that's akin to an independent commission against corruption in New South Wales. You know, you've got to remember, this bloke went to the last election saying they'd have one in place. Certainly hasn't been. Anyway, those stories plus much more coming up. If you would like to comment on anything that I bring up on the show, as always, I'm happy to receive your emails. Marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au 
And you can always leave your comments, as many of you do, on the Facebook page. Some great music on the way, being a Friday, of course, we'll keep you up to date with the latest news and sport. We'll do that with our friends at Air News. So let's get into it on this Friday. Nice to have your company. Marcus Paul in the morning. It is the eighth day of April. Okay, welcome back. Let's get into it on this Friday morning. Nice to have your company. The eighth day of April. Marcus Paul in the morning on Starter FM and, of course, on iHearts and TuneIn Radio and the Prawncast. Well, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, got a little more than he bargained for when he ventured into a tavern, a pub, the Edgeworth Tavern in Newcastle on Wednesday night. A local pensioner rounded up ScoMo and gave him a gobful. He ripped into the Prime Minister about his policies. Now, Ray claimed he'd lost disability funding because he earned over the threshold. I was just, you work it out, 16 hours a day, seven days a week for five years. What's that work out? That's how much money I've saved the government. Well, look, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm happy to pass it. Hey, no, you ring your mobs up and you don't even return the call. Yeah, we're talking, you've come here to... I don't give a about you. You didn't... Hey, I'm paying a death tax every week. Remember you went in the last election session? Well, I'm paying it because I've taken 200 out of my pension every week. This is what we should do. You've raised two very important issues, one on immigration and one on your Yes. Pension. So let's sit down with one white team. We'll All right. Now, who can I contact tomorrow? Yeah, we, or you can sit down with Hey, right I'm doing now. this before the election, mate, because this is two promises that you made. You know another promise that you made? Okay, well, look, we've, we've, hey. we've had quite a chat. Hey, on, yeah. No, you know, you've got to have an integrity commission. Oh, okay. Hey, I've been to... I've been to welfare rights, everything. Okay, You've got the foxes looking after the heat houses. All right, well, see, that's what happens uh, when, uh, you know, you venture into uh, public spaces during an election campaign. He hasn't called the election yet, but he might as well. Uh, I think it's just days away. Look, uh, in fairness to uh, Scott Morrison, he did uh, direct his staff to sit down with Ray the pensioner and discuss his issues. And that's good. That's the way it should be. Anyway, uh, this pub where the pensioner ripped into ScoMo said dozens of people have come in demanding to buy the old man a beer. The elderly man named Ray was filmed yelling and pointing in the face of the Prime Minister it happened on Wednesday night, accusing him of breaking promises and saying, I'm sick of your bullshit. Quote, unquote. Well, I think a lot of Australians are. I'm sorry. Ray isn't a regular customer either at the Edgeworth Tavern in Newcastle. But a spokesperson told the media the bar has been inundated with patrons begging to buy him a beer yesterday on Thursday. <laughs> oh dear. Footage of Ray's outburst went viral, of course, yesterday with a cornered Mr Morrison standing quietly as the pensioner unloaded on him. This is what you said when you got elected last time. We're going to help all those people that worked all their lives, paid their taxes, and those that have a go, get a go. Well, I've had a go, mate. I've worked all my life and I've paid my taxes, Ray shouted at the PM. When Mr Morrison tried to coax the man away from cameras to talk about his issues, Ray became even angrier. You better effing do something. I'm sick of your bullshit, he said. 
Anyway, the tavern spokesman said people have turned up en masse yesterday trying to shout Ray Askui. Um, apparently, he said we've had dozens of people come in this morning ask to buy him beers. Hopefully, we can find him. Look, one of Ray's concerns was about the measly size of his disability support pension. Now, he said to Mr Morrison, listen to me for a change. You can have a million dollar house, $250,000 in the bank and franking credits, but a disability pensioner can't have an income. You've also been immigration minister. I've got a partner I've been with for six and a half years and I've got a right as an Australian to choose who my partner should be. We've been to the tribunal twice and one on both occasions. That was 14 months ago. Why can't I have a partner? You know, another promise you made, you were going to have an integrity commission. Anyway, this bloke, Ray, he certainly bristled. Uh, Scott Morrison said he had raised some very important issues and offered to sit down with him to get the bo- uh, to the bottom of his concerns. Uh, the old bloke continued... I've been fighting for 12 years. You treat a disability pensioner who's worked all his life, paid his taxes, and now he's getting taxed again. This is what you said the last time you got elected. We're going to help all those people who worked all their lives and paid their taxes. Those who had a go. Well, I've had a go, mate. I'm doing this before the election uh, because this is two promises that you made. Anyway, Mr Morrison brushed off a furious pensioner, berating me at a pub, insisting, I like hearing from people. Uh, ScoMo revealed his staff chatted to the man to help him with his issues after the outburst, which happened at the Edgeworth Tavern, which is just west of Newcastle. Well, there we go. Look, (laughs) ScoMo said the vast majority of pub goers gave him a welcome reception but he understood the man's frustration. The PM said, I can understand that he was very upset about some very significant issues that happened in his life. And so I was keen to understand what he was saying to me and believe me, uh, and I believe we have. Uh, It's a complicated case, but we will see how we might be able to assist and progress that. Well, let's hope that is the case. Anyway, Chief Advocate for National Seniors Australia, Ian Henschke, a friend of the program, said yesterday the man was probably angry because of the different rules for the disability and age pension. Age pensioners can only earn up to $300 a fortnight before losing their entitlements. Also in the pub, one woman cunningly asked Mr Morrison to pose with her for a selfie before telling him... Congratulations on being the worst Prime Minister we've ever had. And apparently Mr Morrison's smile quickly disintegrated into a frown as the video, which has gone viral on Twitter, came to an end. Oh dear, oh dear. I don't think Scott Morrison will be attending too many pubs during the election campaign. Mr. Scomo was his name around the world. He brought us Spain. He loved coal and gas and oil. It won't hurt you, don't recoil. As the cities turned to toast and the cyclones hit the coast, he'd sing out this alibi. How could I know? Coal was a killer. No one told me the end was nigh. I didn't see all those forests burning. 
Cause I was holidaying in Hawaii But one day said French Macron He's a liar just a con So the people took a stand And made ScoMo show his hand And in his hand a lump of coal Don't be scared, it won't hurt The seas with which this land is girt He didn't know Coal was a killer wasn't his job to hold the hose up high He didn't see all the forest burning Cause he was holidaying in Hawaii Marcus Paul in the morning Alright Marcus Paul in the morning Nice to have your company on this Friday It is the, what is it? The 8th day of April And... I hope you're getting a good run to work this morning. Uh, It may not be the case on Monday, with bus strikes affecting a lot of Sydney in particular. I'll get to that story a little later. Uh, Meantime, serial protester Martin Walterding, yep, that's his name, he's been banned from associating with some of his high-profile fellow activists as the government's tough new anti-protest laws are put to the test. Some might call him a serial pest, but this Martin bloke has been banned from, well, associating with fellow protesters after he cooled his heels in a night at the uh, in the cells at Newtown Police Station following the blocking of the City Westlink that I told you about yesterday. That happened on Wednesday. Uh, this bloke, who's a lecturer at the University of Western Sydney, was hit with a two-year community corrections order when he fronted Newtown local court yesterday. A veteran of 50 years of activism. This bloke, Walter Ding, so Martin's his first name, but he's 77 years of age. (laughs) And he spent 50 years of his life, apparently, as an activist. He was also hit with a $220 fine by the magistrate. I think that's paltry. She was armed with the new laws that could have put this bloke behind bars for two years and slapped him with a $22,000 fine. Anyway, he will be back before the court for breaching his community corrections order if he associates with fellow protesters and a whole bunch of them that I mentioned the other day, including that Deanne Coco. All of, uh, of the people that I mentioned the other day, but Coco, were arrested with Walter Ding after they fronted the Fireproof Australia protest on Wednesday, angering commuters when they blocked Catherine Street in Lilyfield during peak hour, around 8.30 in the morning. Now, this bloke, Walter Ding, who migrated to Australia in 1988 from El Salvador, is an Australian citizen. He pled guilty to entering, um, etc., Sydney Harbour Bridge, etc., disrupt, etc., vehicle, and refusing or failing to comply with the direction. Okay, uh, well, uh, look, I don't know. Will he follow these rules or, or, you know, in the corrections order in play? Or will he go out and protest again and, you know, continue his 50 years of activism? At 77, I don't know, I don't think... Uh, prison would be a good place for this bloke, this University of Western Sydney lecturer. Now, this bloke has previously spoken about his decades of activism, which saw him arrested in 1970 for transporting garbage without a permit when he carried dead fish and octopuses in a march against a nuclear power plant 
all the way overseas in Miami, Florida. Well, there you go. (laughs) Anyway, since then, the eco-warrior has marched against the Vietnamese war and been involved in Sydney protests, including blocking the traffic at Broadway near Central Station in 2019, where the crowd chanted snatches from uh, Greta Thunberg's UN speech. How dare you! The magistrate, uh, this Stapleton, she became the first judge to use the new laws since they were passed last Friday after a series of protests that have blocked vital roads and freight corridors. I don't know, I suspect if this bloke, this Walter Ding, was a little younger, perhaps she may well have made an example of him. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, it's Friday morning. Nice to have your company on Starter FM and, of course, uh, on iHeartRadio. Tune in, uh, your favourite podcasting app as well, for the Prawncast. Well, I noticed that McDonald's are having, and not that I'm, you know, necessarily into plugging burger joints, but occasionally I'll have a Big Mac, uh, maybe once a month or every six weeks or so. Uh, But their cheeseburgers are... Dirt cheap at the moment, some sort of promo, uh, which is fine. But check this story out. A baseball stadium in the United States is selling burgers that cost up to 25,000 US dollars. That's the equivalent of 33,000 Australian dollars. Why? Well, to commemorate the Atlanta Braves 2021 World Series title. And the price tag isn't the only eye-popping feature. The ingredients are equally wild. There are two variants of this World Championship burger. The cheaper option, which costs a relatively modest 151 US dollars, around 200 Australian bucks. It comes with a replica 2021 World Series ring. The price of $151 is a reference to the 151 years the Braves have existed. The far pricier $33,000 burger comes with a limited edition championship ring. Now, the burger itself, what does it include? I mean, obviously, it's the ring that's the most valuable thing, but the burger, it'd want to be pretty nice for 33 grand. It features a Wagyu beef patty, pan-fried eggs, foie gras, whatever the hell that is, lobster tail, uh, Tillamook cheddar cheese, truffle aioli, and an heirloom tomato. Oh, by the way, it comes with a side of Parmesan waffle fries. Now, the reaction to this extravagant idea has been, well, as much as you would expect. Um, you know, some people on social media taking photographs of it and sharing it, uh, you know, having a good laugh. You know, the Braves are calling... This the world champions burger, you know, half pound of wagyu with egg, foie gras, and lobster tail, etc. And more pictures of it. I would go the cheaper one. No, in fact, I probably wouldn't go any of them. It, I, I'm going to be honest with you. The thirty-three thousand dollar hamburger they're trying to flog here kind of puts me off my dinner just looking at it. Why all the fuss? Well, the Braves won their first World Series title since 1995 last November, defeating the Houston Astros in four out of six games. Oh, there we go. 
Anyway, it's the same thing the Braves fans will be saying as they munch on their $33,000 burgers. It's going to hit hard soon, the reality of this team winning the championship. Anyway, it's a ridiculous price, isn't it? But, you know, there's a few sports nuts in the United States who will actually take up the deal. They'll spend thousands of dollars on a single, truly monstrous hamburger. And if you want the real deal, which includes a limited edition ring, uh, that is a championship ring, <laughs> um, 33000 Australian dollars. Thank you very much. No, I think I'll stick to the, uh, what, the four, three, four dollar uh, cheeseburger deal at Macca's. Marcus Paul in the morning. Nice to have you company on this Friday. Yeah, welcome back. Well, as I told you yesterday, and we, we pointed to throughout most of the week, uh, industrial relations in New South Wales is a basket case at the moment uh, with almost everybody, uh, you know, who's a, um, well, a public servant, frontline operator, nurses, paramedics, uh, others, striking, but, uh, and look, it is the year of the strike. Transport and health unions are vowing they're not going to stop strikes ahead of the New South Wales state election. I said that yesterday. The state government, though, has agreed to begin a conciliation process with the Health Services Union after thousands of staff walked off the job yesterday. So there we go. They walked off to protest against the draconian 2.5% wages gap. Draconian being their words. Now, the HSU... New South Wales Secretary Gerard Hayes said the conciliation was a major step forward in setting the union up for its 5.5% pay rise. That's what they've been after. Uh, Mr Hayes said yesterday, this has been a good step forward today. The government knows we are serious about our intents in the short term and the long term. I met with Minister Brad Hazard and the Finance Minister it was a very good discussion in terms of looking toward the future. No commitments have been made, but at least there is some dialogue that's starting to begin. Now, Mr Hayes said Mr Hazard was supportive of the union's cause, but the ball was in Premier Dominic Perrottet and Treasurer Matt Keane's court. Now, we hope that all those concerns will be resolved within or prior to the budget. Quite frankly, the law has to be changed. Now, that's Gerard Hayes. He said he also expected delays across hospitals yesterday, and there were some, uh, and some delays around um, ambulances following the paramedics meeting yesterday morning between 7 and 8. Yeah, well, speakers, I'm told, were visibly upset as they shared their stories to a backdrop of hundreds of cheers from delegates who travelled from hospitals across the state. Premier Dominic Perrottet indicated the wage cap for public servants could be lifted to meet inflation, but cautioned it would be measured against budget pressure. Now, the Premier said, I don't want our public services staff to go backwards, and with inflation set to increase, we're seeing cost of living pressures right across the board. Now, can we do if we can do more? We will. We're working with the unions in relation to their needs, said Mr Perrottet. It's obviously got to be balanced with the budgetary pressures that we're under. 
Yeah, well, there'll be more strikes to come uh, to disrupt health and transport union leaders, as I mentioned yesterday, have pledged to unleash renewed havoc on hospitals and the city's transport network in what has been slammed as a political ploy to destabilise the coalition ahead of next year's state election. In an escalation to promises made earlier this year to make 2022 the year of the strike, top union leaders have promised every Member of Parliament will get to know their members amid a commitment to dramatically escalate industrial action. Yeah, well, we had the unprecedented in-scale strike of health workers yesterday. And on Monday, there'll be a 24-hour shutdown of New South Wales's bus network as they fight uh, with their ongoing pay disputes between unions and Dominic Perrottet's New South Wales government. Gerard Hayes said we will be engaging in political activity leading up to the budget and depending on what happens there, we'll be working toward the latter part of the year. Dear oh dear. All right, Marcus Paul in the morning. If you'd like to make a comment, as always, you can send me an email, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au or leave your comment on the Facebook page. Friday morning. Nice to be with you, Marcus Paul, in the morning. Well, I've been telling you about the alternative board for the last couple of weeks. And if you're a business owner, you need to pay attention. Uh, By the way, my interview, uh, my chat with Greg Uran from the alternative board is is up on your podcasting platform. Wherever you listen to the Prawncast, you'll find it there as well. So business owners, it is time to ask yourself a few important questions. As a business owner, you often start with a vision of what your business will allow you to achieve in your personal life. The day-to-day realities of running your business takes over, and you sometimes lose track of how your working life should be aligned with achieving your personal vision of success. Consider asking yourself the following questions. If you're a business owner, are you ready to take your business to an entirely new level? Who's in control, you or your business? How are you at balancing your business and personal lives? Do you need help seeing the opportunities that are available to you? Do you feel like you're fighting fires all alone? And where do you turn to for the truth about your business? Well, to help answer these and many other important questions, you need the expert advice available from the team at the Alternative Board. Now, the Alternative Board helps forward-thinking business owners increase their profitability and improve their lives by leveraging local business advisory boards, private business coaching, and proprietary strategic services. You really must speak to them today. What are you waiting for? Call Greg and the team at the Alternative Board to learn more about their invitation-only membership model and how it may be able to help you with your business. Connect today. It's your business, so why wait? The Alternative Board is exactly what your business needs now. So get in touch with Greg Uran for all the details. His number, 0400 858 190. 0400 858-190, the alternative board helping your business be all that it can be. And don't forget that porncast 
podcast of my chat with Greg on the program just the other day is now up on your favourite podcasting platform. It's a Friday morning and all we can do, I guess, is look to the sky and hope um, that the moderate falls that are expected over the weekend, certainly a lot less than this bucketing that we've received in the last 24, 48 hours, all we can do is hope that (laughs) things start to ease a little for flood-affected communities right across New South Wales. Well, I read that Toyota could be paying out more than $2 billion to customers in class actions over faulty DPFs. What the hell is a DPF? Well, I'll tell you in a moment. (laughs) They could end up paying more than $2 billion in a class action that challenged the auto giant over faulty diesel particulate filters. That's what DPF are, diesel particulate filters in some of its top-selling cars. You know, of course, that uh, Toyota are the biggest seller of automobiles, cars, here in Australia. In a federal court judgment handed down yesterday, Justice Michael Lee found Toyota customers purchase vehicles with defects as a result. The value of their cars was reduced by 17.5% on the average retail price or more than $7,000 per car. The class action covers more than 264,000 Hilux, Fortuna and Prado vehicles sold on the new car market between October 2015 and April 2020. Class action lawyers have told the ABC that if all of the impacted drivers claim their damages, the total money awarded would be more than $2 billion. Some drivers may be entitled to more compensation due to having to take the time off work, that is, to fix their car, or a loss of fuel efficiency. The lead applicant, or lead, sorry, I was thinking petrol, the lead applicant in the case, a bloke by the name of Ken Williams, said he was thrilled with the judgment. He said in a statement, hundreds of thousands of ordinary Australian consumers who bought these vehicles are now entitled to be awarded damages for the losses they suffered as a result. I hope today's judgment provides a degree of comfort to people who, like me, have had to deal with the disappointment, inconvenience and extra cost of owning these vehicles. Now, Toyota are said to be carefully considering the judgment. Diesel particulate filters, or DPFs, are designed to capture and burn off harmful pollutants before they get released into the air. The faulty DPFs instead caused cars to spew out foul-smelling white smoke and had to be serviced or repaired. A Toyota spokesperson said the company was reviewing the court's judgment. Uh, They said in a statement yesterday, at every step, we believe that we have implemented customer-focused and technically grounded remedies to resolve customers' concern. So Toyota will carefully consider the initial trial judgment before making any further comment. All right, well, there we go. Uh, You are an owner of one of these vehicles that uh, I've mentioned. If you are, and you've had some issues with your Toyota um, and the DPF, Well, you'll be entitled to some sort of payout, according to the judgment handed down yesterday, unless, of course, there is an appeal from Toyota, and they are obviously seriously considering doing so. Oh, what a feeling! Toyota!
Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back. Here's some good news. Out of Melbourne, the final eight asylum seekers have been finally released from Park Hotel in the city. The eight remaining asylum seekers at the Park Hotel in Melbourne have now been released from detention, according to refugee advocates. Twelve others were also released yesterday, three from the Melbourne Immigration Transit Accommodation, six from the Brisbane Immigration Transit Accommodation and three from centres in Perth and Adelaide. It's understood they will be granted bridging visas to stay in Australia temporarily. Ian Rintoul, a good friend of the program, Ian's from the Refugee Advocacy Coalition. He said all of the detainees were recognised as refugees when they were on Nauru and Manus Island. Australian authorities have not yet confirmed whether this is the case. He said that those released yesterday were, quote, ecstatic. After the release last week, the people that were left inside were anxious, puzzled, distraught to understand why they were still being detained. He said there were only 10 refugees left in detention across Australia and he predicted they could also be released soon. The Park Hotel, as you know, was used to detain asylum seekers brought to Australia from offshore detention under the now repealed Medivac laws. Now, Mr Rintoul said, I do think we've seen a group of people who have been very blatantly and quite deliberately victimised because they were brought here against the government's wishes. Yeah, look, this place, this uh, Park Hotel, that's where tennis star Novak Djokovic was briefly held. Yeah, he was shacked up there with refugees after he entered the country to compete in the Australian Open this year without being vaccinated against COVID-19. Now, back in March, the federal government agreed to a deal first struck nine years ago for New Zealand to resettle 150 refugees per year for three years. When that deal was announced, the Australian government reiterated its policy that those who arrived by boat would never be settled in Australia. Now, Maurice Blackburn lawyer Jennifer Carnes, who represents some of the refugees let out of the Park Hotel yesterday, said it was not clear why her clients were suddenly released. She said, we can only think that this is a last minute political fix on an election eve to try and neutralise a political hot potato. (laughs) She's probably right, you know. She said that while it was a relief that her clients were released, they still faced the uncertainty, of course, of not knowing where they would be permanently resettled. We're not cheering the government for what they've done today, Ms Carter said yesterday. There still needs to be a reckoning of this very sad period in Australia's immigration history about how we have detained people for upwards of nine years. Now, the Asylum Resource Centre said on top of those freed yesterday, 230 refugees had been released from detention centres across the country since December 2020. Government authorities have not yet explained why they have been progressively releasing refugees. Last year, then Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton said it was due to the cost of detention. The Australian Border Force and Immigration Minister Alex Hawke has not responded to any requests by the media for comments. Uh, Good news. Can't stand, uh, you know, 
shacking people up in detention indefinitely while the government stuffs and fiddles around and goes through all of the paperwork and all this rubbish. Marcus, oh, I think we're better than that. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back. Uh, almost it for us today. Um, this story uh, appeared late yesterday um, and, I'm, you know, it was about women or woman and how the health boss of Australia, Dr Brendan Murphy, was unable to define woman in Senate estimates yesterday. He is our top health bureaucrat and he's been slammed for being, well, unable to answer a simple question in awkward scenes during Senate estimates. Okay, Liberal Senator Alex Antic posed the question to Health Secretary Brendan Murphy during Senate estimates after last week failing to get a response from the Workplace Gender Equality Agency. Can someone please provide me with a definition of what a woman is, he asked. The question was met with uncomfortable silence. Department of Health, definition of a man, definition of a woman, anyone, Professor Murphy, Senator Antec said. Oh dear, oh dear. Dr Murphy replied, look, I think there are a variety of definitions. The senator suggested he provide just a simple one. I think perhaps to give a more fulsome answer, we should take that on notice, the good doctor said. You're going to take on notice the question of what a woman is, the senator said. No, well, there's a variety. It's a very, it's a very, it's a very contested space at the moment, senator, Dr Murphy said. I mean, there are obviously biological definitions, but there are definitions in terms of how people identify themselves. So we're happy to provide our working definition on notice. Thank you. The Senator Antiket replied, It's not just that a woman was born a woman. This is hilarious. I've only been here two years. That's the best thing I've seen thus far. The health department uh, was contacted for comment. The question, what is a woman? has been popularised by conservatives in the United States who claim proponents of left-wing gender theory are unable to provide a simple answer. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, a woman is, quote, an adult female human being, unquote. Pretty simple, really. Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire has frequently posed the question during debates, including on a recent episode of Dr Phil featuring two transgender activists. Walsh last month announced an upcoming book and documentary both titled What is a Woman? about the issue. Oh dear. Now it's not just in Australia where apparently our politicians can't pony up any explanation as to what a woman is. It's also happening in the United States. US President Joe Biden, Supreme Court nominee uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson was also asked to provide a definition by a Republican senator by the name of Marsha Blackburn. It was during a recent confirmation hearing. Can I provide a definition? No, I can't. I'm not a biologist, Judge Jackson replied. Anyway, speaking on radio yesterday, the good Australian Senator Antic said he said it was utterly ludicrous to suggest there isn't a single definition. That definition is an adult human female, a biological woman. What can't they? Why can't they say it? 
He said, I think people like Dr. Murphy, I don't want to put words into his mouth, but I wonder whether secretly he also thinks this is ludicrous, but he's concerned about the backlash among the rank and file. Yeah, look, I don't know. I'm I'm getting a little sick of all of this sort of stuff. Anyway, uh, no doubt, um, and they're starting to, I think, yep, there we go. Sky News host Rita Panahi, or Panahi, is she a woman? I'm sure she is. Anyway, she slammed Dr Murphy for his, quote, dumbfounded response to a simple question a child could answer. Uh, Panna, he said on her show apparently this week, these people have no qualms about imposing draconian restrictions like closing Australia's borders, even to Australian citizens, to prevent the spread of a virus, but they are too scared to tell you what a woman is. Now, maybe she has a point here. No longer can we pretend that the influence of this insidious racial gender theory is only evident in the UK and the US. It has taken hold right here in Australia to such an extent that our senior health bureaucrats are too terrified to answer that simple question, what is a woman? (laughs) Oh dear, I would hope we have bigger issues to deal with than this rubbish. Honestly. Righto. Well, I'm going to finish up then because it hasn't been very helpful with a very simple question for the department, and that is one which has troubled me for a great deal of time with the bureaucracy here. Can someone please provide me with a definition of what a woman is? (coughs) Department of Health. Definition of a man. Definition of a woman. Anyone? It's pretty basic. Basic stuff. Professor Murphy. (laughs) I think there are... There are a variety of definitions, and I, I think a simple perhaps, one. perhaps to give a, a more fulsome answer, we should take that on notice. You're going to take on notice yeah. the question of what a woman is. No, well, there, there are a variety. There, it, it's a very, it's a very, uh, it's a very contested space at the moment. All right, Marcus Paul in the morning. Nice to have you company. If you want to tell me what a woman is, you can do so on the Facebook page. Okay, well, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for being a part of the program. Uh, We're back on Monday between 7 and 9 on the iHeartRadio and TuneIn apps and, of course, live on starterfm.com.au. If you want to send me a note over the weekend, uh, maybe there's an issue you'd like me to take up or perhaps something we can do on the program. Uh, please do so, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. That's the email. And uh, as always, there'll be plenty of opportunity for you to make your comments known on the Facebook page. Uh, will Scott Morrison call an election either today sometime or over the weekend? What do you think? Yeah, I might put something up about that. Uh, please take it easy. Uh, I don't think we've seen the end of the rain just yet, although it is expected to ease a little, uh, to moderate, if you like, over the weekend. Uh, Gee, fingers crossed. What about all you poor tradies? Can't even get a bloody work, uh, a week of work in a full five days. I mean, (laughs) you haven't been able to really, if you work outdoors for, what, nearly two months. It's crazy stuff. Fingers crossed we'll have a better week next week. Uh, the cleanup will continue, of course. Thank you again, as always. I know I sound like a broken record, but they do deserve our respect and our thanks. All of the volunteers, uh, that's in the state emergency services. Thank you also to the frontline workers, uh, the police, and the fireys and the ambos, and everybody involved in keeping all of us safe, not only from floods, but all the other stuff over the weekend. I hope you have a great weekend. 
I look forward to chatting again on Monday, bringing you my little uh, tidbits of news and some great music. Look after each other and we'll catch up again next week. Marcus Paul in the morning. Bye for now.